0: What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita. We're live right now on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Just a few hours after the Baseball Hall of Fame announced its class of 2023, determined by the Baseball Writers of America, Writers Association of America, BBWAA. We've got one person entering the Hall of Fame this year. It's Scott Rowland the great third baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals, Philadelphia Phillies, Cincinnati Reds, and Toronto Blue Jays. So welcome to the hall of fame, Scott Rowland. Fred McGriff got in through one of the veterans committees. I think it was a modern era committee. Uh, we've also got some other baseball off season news. Mike Clevenger couldn't, he might not be pitching this year after signing a one year deal with the Chicago White Sox. And we've got some other news and stuff along the way. So Uh, I don't want to waste any more time. First of all, thank you all for tuning into the Jack Vita Show. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, just subscribe, and uh, we'll be happy to have you. Go to my site, jackvita.com, and check out all the baseball content that I'm writing over at Fastball on Sports Illustrated Fan Nation. So just Google SI Fastball. You'll find it. It's right there. So, having said all of that, I want to welcome in my guest for today. Ryan Packett is returning to the show. He's a big time Cincinnati Reds fan, so he saw Scott Rowland play for his team. Are you happy to have him in the Hall of Fame?
1: Absolutely. Well it's overdue, quite frankly. Um, Scott Rowland, you know, was the veteran leadership on the first, really only good Reds team of uh my lifetime uh first playoff team so obviously he holds a special place in my heart um i'm sure he'll go in i'm thinking he'll go in as a cardinal um philly you know could have some stock there won't be cincinnati to be honest with you i forgot he played for the blue jays um but yes absolutely i think the blue jays had
0: i think it was like 2009 2008 2009 yeah it's 2008 2009 They had a team one year where it was like him and Kevin Millar. And there are a couple other old guys on that team. Maybe Mark DeRosa.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I believe Roland's the ninth primary third baseman to get into the Hall of Fame. So I think it's uh, long overdue, but better late than never.
0: Better late than never. So congratulations to Scott Roland, uh, who enters the Hall of Fame. I'm looking right now. I was off. There was no Kevin Millar on that 9 team. Oh, no, he was on the team. He was on that team. Uh, Kevin Millar, Lyle Overbay, Marco Scudero.
1: Marco Scudero. Gosh, I remember when the <laughs> Giant. Yeah, he was on
0: those Giants teams. Scudero. Vernon Wells, Alex Rios. Uh,
1: some good personalities there.
0: Yeah, it seemed like a fun team. Yeah. They won... How many games do you think they won that year? 78. 75. Very good. Okay, okay, not bad. Managed by Cito Gaston. Another good name. <laughs> this was the weird era of the Blue Jays, where they had those weird hats, the weird uniforms. Like okay. they, they had the, they have their current uniforms that they have right now, which look like the ones they had in the nineties. They had some experimental years in between.
1: They're playing in that weird, um... like
0: black and white and blue. Yeah. You know? When I think of those uniforms, I think of Eric Hinsky.
1: Okay. There's another name. Yeah. Um, I think of the like pat- the dirt patches around the bases and the grass runways. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, anyway, uh, welcome to the Hall of Fame, Scott Rowland. He did belong. I do think he was overdue. This was sixth year on the ballot. He just got in, really. He got 76% of the vote. In order to get into the Hall of Fame, you need 75%. He is the lone member of this class. Um, great offensive player, great defensive player. Uh, very similar in terms of career numbers. They run it all day long on MLB Network. Pretty similar to Brooks, Ro- Brooks Robinson in terms of the kind of numbers. And Brooks Robinson is heralded as maybe the best third baseman of all time.
1: Yeah, um, he's no Brooks Robinson. That's for sure. <laughs> the accolades may match up, may start to match up pound for pound. Um, you know, when you look at third basemen that stand out to me, it's Brooke, Brooks Robinson and Mike Schmidt. But uh, Roland definitely belongs in the conversation of best third basemans ever. He's not, he's not the best, but he belongs in the conversation. And I think he's what, third or fourth most gold gloves for third basemen?
0: Uh, I'm not sure, but I know he was a gold glove winner. Let's see. Eight times. Yeah. Eight time gold Glover.
1: I think it's the third most after I know Brooks and I think Schmidt too, but, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure.
0: He was, uh, let me ask you this. When you think Scott Rowland, do you think of Philadelphia, Philly or St. Louis Cardinal? I I think St. Louis. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It felt like his it felt like he was underrated when he was with the Phillies. Like he made one all-star game and I remember that. And that was kind of like the welcome Scott Rowland because he made, he made the all-star game in 2002. And then later in the year he was traded to the Cardinals. And then when I think of Scott Rowland, I think about, I mean, he was a four-time all-star with the Cardinals three-time gold glove award winner, 2004. He was a legitimate MVP candidate. I remember that year. Like he was, We were talking about him as the MVP for a good chunk of that season. Uh, He finished fourth in the voting. He batted 314 with a 409 OBP and a 1007 OPS. So yeah, he was a great player. It was, it was a little odd that it took him six years to get into this spot, but yeah. And then, yeah, in terms of Cardinal, I mean, he also played in the world series. They won. they played in the world series in four, Won the World Series in '06, so I, I have to think he's going to go in
1: as a Cardinal. That's what I think. Um, he is. He was third in um, third in Gold Gloves at third base. Nolan Arenado wow. just passed him. Another future shoe in Hall of Famer. Cardinals, oh.
0: man, yeah. you gotta <laughs> go out and trade for the best third baseman. They yeah. do it all the time. Yeah. No, I felt like his game kind of reached another level in St. Louis. He started to get more national attention when he joined the Cardinals. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. His uh, his offense is very good. It's not um, Hall of Fame on its own. It's the defense that gets yeah. him in for me. And honestly, it's the defense that makes it absolutely no question he deserves to be in. You know, you got third most gold gloves in baseball history. Uh, I know the gold glove didn't come into effect until 1950s, but still, um, you know. Yeah. So, I mean...
0: Great player, Scott Rowland. He goes to the Hall of Fame. Uh, next up, the, the next closest. Really, we got two guys who were pretty close and I think are going to get in in the next couple of years, and that's Todd Helton, who got 72.2%. He, he took a pretty big leap over the last couple of years. Um, so he was within, he was 2.8% shy. So he was he was 11 votes short. He will probably get in. And Billy Wagner finally, finally starting to pick up some momentum on this ballot. 68.1%. He's someone I feel like I've been advocating for since he got on the ballot. And I can't believe that was seven years ago now. But, I mean, I remember going back in, I guess that was 2015, 2016, talking about Billy Wagner. If you want to talk about volatility in the relief pitcher position, it's something that we discuss a lot how you could not, maybe not even just your closer, but your whole bullpen can be great one year, and then the next year it can be terrible. And Billy Wagner was, for my money, the best relief pitcher in the National League during his career, for the most of it. I thought he was a better reliever than Trevor Hoffman was. I thought he was more feared than Trevor Hoffman was. I heard Sean Casey say that one time on MLB Network. Um, Billy Wagner was... a great, great closer, and if we're going to put relief pitchers in the Hall of Fame, Billy Wagner should be there. I mean, Mariano Rivera was the best closer to ever. So far, he's been the best closer in baseball history, but Billy Wagner was a li- uh, not quite Mo, but a little bit like the National League Mo. He didn't have the yeah. postseason moments. That's the difference.
1: You know, I think with Billy Wagner here, we have a sign of the times. Uh, the reliever is more valued than it's ever been before. The writers have still taken time to, you know, uh, they're still a little partial to these 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 uh, non-starters, non-starting pitchers. But, you know, with Mariano Rivera getting in, um, you know, with the um, first unanimous vote, uh, we have someone like Lee Smith, who just recently got in. Um, among the newer age uh, relievers, not like our multi-inning relievers of the seventies, like Goose Gossage or um, Bruce Suter a little later than that, but those are more your multi-inning guys. You know, now we're talking about like one inning guys and uh, I think they're starting to be more comfortable pushing these guys through. And that's why we're seeing a late spike with someone like Wagner instead of a steady climb.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, Ryan. Would you agree or disagree, or I'll ask you, would you rather have the ninth inning, one run lead, and you're about to face, you know, Pujols, Roland, Jim Edmonds, would you rather have Trevor Hoffman or Billy Wagner? Um,
1: If I'm at the game, I'd rather have Trevor Hoffman because I want to hear Hell's Bells. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you're managing the team. I'd probably take Trevor Hoffman. Really? Okay. If there's runners on base, you know, then maybe I'd swing more towards Wagner because we got a little bit more strikeout power. Um, I think Hoffman overall would be more consistent, but I'm certainly not going to be... Disappointed if the door opens and Billy Wagner comes running out to. Um, I, I don't know what song he ran out to, but um, <laughs> I'd be okay with that for sure. I would definitely, um, you know, we're talking, you know, best National League, uh, best left handed reliever ever, Jack Vita.
0: I would say so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the modern era, I feel like Chapman is probably the other one that people talk about, but I'd still, I would take Billy Wagner over Chapman.
1: I would take Billy Wagner too. I mean, um, who else? Who else? Josh Hader might
0: get in that conversation. Could be. Could be.
1: Uh, Andrew Miller wasn't dominant no, long not enough. That.
0: Yeah, not to
1: that degree. Um,
0: I mean, because Josh Hader, we're looking at like a guy who was great for like four years so far. Yeah. And w- with Wagner, and even with Chapman, Chapman had probably ten great years. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe like maybe maybe like six great years and four really good years. I don't. know. I mean, he's had. The longevity haters just—it's too early to, you know, we can't can't say that quite yet. Because I think that's probably the most valuable. I don't know if I should say it's maybe it's the best measuring stick when you talk about best closers is the longevity factor because you know you could. I feel like there have been so many guys who've had one great year, like Derek Turnbow. He <laughs> won, like he had like a great year in two thousand four, mm-hmm. but. You know, he's Zach Britton. Zach Britton. Yeah. I mean, he's not bad otherwise, but he had one year. That's just unlike the other. He should have won that. He should have been a Cy Young finalist that Mm -hmm. year. Maybe even won the Cy Young.
1: I would have voted for him. I mean, Eric Gagne won one. So,
0: yeah, he did. Uh, 2016 Zach Britton. He was great. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Billy Wagner, he should get in. He's got two more years to do it. (laughs) Todd Helton in his fifth year. 72.2% 72.2% and Billy Wagner was 68.1%. So Todd Helton has five years to get plus 2.8%. He will do that. I would be shocking if he didn't. Um, are you, are you in the Todd Helton a hall of famer camp?
1: I am. Yeah. Um, I know he played at cores. That's like the whole, I mean, if he puts up numbers, 85% of what he has and he didn't play for the Rockies. He's in already. Oh, easily. Yeah. Um, so that's the whole story with him. Larry Walker getting in has helped push the needle. I think. Um, yeah. Would you,
0: do you think? Do you think Larry Walker was a better player than Todd Helton?
1: Oh man. Um. If I'm starting a team, you know, Todd Helton's a first baseman, so that hurts him. And, you know, he does have some good pop, but the whole thing with him is the on base, you know, and and Todd Helton is one of only, I believe, five guys in the modern era to get on base 400 or more times in a season, uh, twice or more. And Helton did it in 2000 and in 2001. He did
0: 2000, 2001, 2002, 2005, 2006 and 2007. Okay. And in 2007, we, were, we weren't even talking about him anymore. Yeah, that 320 with a 434 OBP that year. I'm
1: I'm saying get on base 400 times. Oh, I'm. sorry. He did I that he twice, twice in, in 2000. Percentage. Yeah, he did that in 2000 uh, and in 2001. Got on base 400 times. And usually the threshold for elite on base is getting on uh, 300 times. So what was his uh since you have what was his uh OBP in 2000 or 2001 was it about 500? 2000 it
0: was 463. Yeah. So that's, With a that's a 1.162 really 1. OPS and a 163 OPS+. Yeah. plus. Yeah.
1: That's just ridiculous. I don't it's, care if you're playing course Yeah, field he's
0: got to be in and you know Dan O'Dowd, good friend of the show, Dan O'Dowd. Uh he made and obviously he was um he was Running the Rockies when Todd Helton was playing for him. And he made the point that Todd Helton, part of the thing is if you play at Coors Field, you have to go from playing at Coors Field to then playing on the road. It might be a little tougher to play on the road to go from that kind of out. Like they have, they have a gigantic outfield and they also have um, the, what's the word I'm, I'm blanking on it right now.
1: The, f- the, with the, and and the, the ele- elevation. Ele- yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So you got elevation and the, yeah, that factor, the way that the ball flies out of that park.
1: And then so- on things that I don't hear people talk about as much, which is something that uh, Nolan Aranato, um, you know, on the radio here in St. You know, St. Louis area, they talked about this with Nolan Arenado. you know, worried about him coming here. Um, and they talked about it with Matt holiday too. But balls break, pitch breaking pitches yes. move differently. So, if yes. you were playing half your games in Colorado and whenever you go on the road, you're dealing with different breaks. And I mean, that's that's uh, that sounds nightmarish for a hitter to for curveballs to look different like that. So, I think that's something that needs to be talked about more.
0: It is something that needs to be talked about. And I mean, and you can't use this entirely, but I mean, like DJ LeMayhew. A little similar to Todd Helton in terms of gets on base, great defensive player. We haven't even mentioned that. Todd Helton won three gold gloves. I remember thinking of him as, like, maybe not the gold standard, but as a kid I always thought, Todd Helton, oh, man, that guy's a great defensive player. Like, first base, who's the best defensive first baseman in the league? Todd Helton was maybe the first guy I thought of. And I just think that, so, yeah, and everything we're talking about, you're adjusting – From how breaking pitches are, you're adjusting from how the ball is flying out of your own ballpark to then where you're playing. And I mean, like, he was great. It's not like we're talking about a guy who is like, man, like he really, really, he was really, 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 really good at course field. No, he was great. I mean, 463 OBP, 414 OBP twice in his career, 2005. Led Major League Baseball, or he led, okay, 2005. He had a 320 average and a 445 OBP, and he was not an all star that year. Like, that's, I think, honestly, part of the thing I feel like. For whatever reason, it's like we moved on from Todd Helton, and maybe it's because there were so many great first basemen in the National League, um, especially from 2005 to 2010, most of them playing in the NL Central alone. It was just stacked. There were so many good ones. So if you're going off all-star appearances, he made 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, and 2004. All five of those years, he was an all-star. Then he wasn't an all star for the rest of his career. Well, for the rest of his career, he batted two ninety three with a three ninety six O B P and an eight fifty five OPS. So like he was still great, even though he wasn't getting the all and that was like is am I wrong? Like, did we kind of just stop talking about Ted Helton for a little while in the back half of his career?
1: If- I'm a little like, younger than is. you, so his heyday I mean like I I'm not that much younger than you, but I do think I'm younger enough to where I missed out on prime Todd Helton and you might've caught it. I don't, yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, but no, yeah, he was not, I never remember a point in my life when he was well talked about.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was a little more, little more when he was making those all-star appearances. And I mean, he probably, he finished fifth in MVP voting once. He led the league in batting average, OBP, slugging, and OPS, and total bases all that year, and he finished fifth in MVP voting. That was the Jeff Kent MVP year, by the way, but
1: alas. um, We'll get to him. Um, Oh, he had RBI. He had 147
0: RBI that year.
1: I love how you say RBI, too, instead of RBIs. As an as a English person over here. <laughs> oh, okay. So you say RBI too, right? <laughs> no, I say RBIs and it's wrong. <laughs> so I love how you're able to say RBI. There's not many people say RBI.
0: It's because I'm a baseball writer. You can't write RBIs. Yeah. So I think it's just conditioned me to only say RBI. But no, I'm, yes, I'm, agree- I'm in agreement with you. The four guys on this ballot that I'm like, these four need to be in. Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, Jeff Kent. Mm-hmm. Jeff Kent did not get in. This was his last year on the ballot uh, for the writer's ballot. He still, I think he will get in from one of the veterans committees. He was too good a player, not to too great of a player. Um, he got forty six and a half percent. This is, I don't like to be real hard on like I, this whole, I'm not big on this. Like, Oh my gosh, who's that one guy who didn't vote for Derek Jeter to be a unanimous hall of famer? Like who cares? But I mean, I just can't believe. I I I can it's not surprising because we weren't expecting Kent to get in this year. But um yeah, so I mean like he he was 30% shy and this is the guy who has more home runs than any other second baseman and it'll be history.
1: Yeah, I think to make the case, you have to look at historical context. Without the historical context, you can't have an accurate conversation about Jeff Kent. Um, Most home runs by a second baseman, correct? Now, he's not a better hitter than Rogers Hornsby. He's not a better hitter than Joe Morgan. We're not saying that. However, when you look at the historical context and see that he played in the steroid era, and I believe in innocent until proven guilty, Jack Yep. So I think that we need to talk about this conversation with full understanding that jeff kent did not take steroids his there's numbers no, need there to are
0: be no like there are no indicators that would suggest he ever did there yeah there's no, no kind of obviously trace. no
1: suspension like no there Mitchell are a lot report. of guys who
0: there are a lot of guys where it's like okay like there's a little speculation but there was no speculation with jeff kent
1: yeah there's no no Mitchell report no balco um you know you have a jeff kent probably about as blue collar as you're gonna get from a pro athlete Uh, in that could be part of the reason why him and Barry Bonds did not get along. He knew Barry Bonds was juicing and Jeff Kent potentially doing it clean. And he has this chip on his shoulder and he's not getting the respect that Barry Bonds is. Um, so yeah, I mean, the numbers that he put up may, I, I, I don't know if, I'm just looking at his stats if I would vote for him to be in the Hall of Fame. With the historical context of him playing in the steroid era and him doing what he did at second base is what gets him my vote for the National Baseball Hall of Fame and why I'm upset that he's not getting in. Um, Jack, do you think that his personality um, is part of why he's not getting votes? Well, Mad Dog Russo, Mad Dog's
0: words, not mine. He's been going off on this for years. Mad Dog probably, I mean, Mad Dog knows more people that vote for this thing than I do. So it doesn't mean that he's right, but this is his opinion. He thinks that Jeff Kent, personality, a little bit of personality, but also he thinks the politics. He thinks Jeff Kent has been pretty outspoken politically and not in a way that a lot of writers might agree with. Uh, So... He thinks that that is part of what's holding him back. I don't know if that's the case. I have no idea. Um, I don't really, I I honestly don't know because the thing that was really interesting on the topic of personality was I've made mention of this on previous podcasts. I read the book Game of Shadows about Barry Bonds' PED usage. It's a good book if you want to learn more about it. One of the things they talk about was the clashing between Kent and and bonds and the book described uh jeff kent as like this renegade outlaw cowboy who is kind of like bonds was bonds was very difficult to be teammates with he bulldozed a lot of people there are a lot of guys who just were like i'm gonna stay out of his way and kent was the type of person who's like i'm gonna i'm gonna stand up to that guy i'm not gonna deal with it what mm-hmm. what we saw from Survivor of him on Survivor, it's not surprising that that's how he was. He's confrontational. So there'd be stuff where like Bonds, like Kent would get on the bus, and Bonds would be like, "That's my seat. I always sit there." And Kent would just be like, "Tough, go sit back <laughs> there." Like he would mm-hmm. he would talk back to him. So the day that they got into that fight was actually started by the third baseman,
1: who I believe. No, it's not believe it is. It's not believe it is. It was. Okay, so as a it manager,
0: was. current manager of the Cincinnati Reds, David
1: Bell. That is correct.
0: Yeah, so David Bell fires the ball over to second base, um, and they had, I can't remember if they had runners on first and second, or maybe it was just a runner on first, but it was going to be a tough play to turn to. Kent wasn't anticipating him throwing over to, the ba- to second base. He throws the ball in the outfield, opens the floodgates, And they have a bad inning. I can't remember who they're playing. Maybe in the Cardinals, actually. But then they go into the dugout and Kent says to Bell, like, no, you should have thrown to you should have thrown to first. The way the book described it was it was Kent being not really like being like assaulting him with his words. It was more just like trying to be a leader and be like, no, throw to first in that situation. Like, and then bonds comes over and says, that's
1: not what I've heard. And, you know, and I, am sure what you read is more accurate than what I've heard over and over again. What I've heard is that, uh, Jeff can't talk to David Bell in a way that we cannot speak on the Jack (laughs) theater. So (laughs) it's possible, very
0: possible. And I mean, this book was not flattering towards bonds one bit. So it, there could have been a little bias there, but in this, particular instance bonds comes over and they had been clashing for for a while and bonds just said like i think you threw it to the right base he said something like smart alecky like that and kent says f you and that's how the whole thing broke
1: out okay yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um it's it's funny you know um as you know yeah, just that being the Reds' manager. And, like, I'm actually, I did not, I used to not like David Bell. I've actually kind of started to warm up to him. Mm. Um, I'm not a fan of disliking managers, and that's a story for another day. Yeah. But it, it, when uh, the, for the Reds' fans that don't like him, it is funny. That get, story gets read up a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, do you have any thoughts about, like, what's keeping him out? Do you think it's the personality stuff?
1: Um, I don't. Um, whenever you're getting, what do you get, 47%? Forty-five, I think. Forty-five. Okay, that's a hundred votes. Forty-six. From in. Yeah, it's not. No, I mean, yeah. Um, Kurt Schilling, you know, he missed it by like what five percent. That that yeah. yes, we can talk yeah. about personality there. Personality is not going to um miss you out of hundred votes, in my opinion. Um, I'm sure it's not helping him, but I think it's all historical. The lack of historical context. Um, yeah. people not respecting yeah. the era he played in. People just looking at the numbers. That's what I think the problem is.
0: Yeah, it could be very much like Fred McGriff because Fred McGriff. I think I don't think he ever got above the forty-five or so on Mm -hmm. his ballots. And Fred McGriff was another great player from that era who never used steroids. Innocent until proven guilty. No linkage. No usage to no link to any kind of PED usage. So, um, having said all of that. yeah, I mean, I the thing with Kent, I wrote about it this week. You guys can read it on Fastball, but I wrote about how Jeff Kent, like part of the part of what they use against him is, oh, his defensive metrics don't look very good. But a lot of those defensive metrics were not being used at the time. Like we weren't, we just looked at the back of the baseball card statistically. We're like, oh, that guy's a good fielder. That guy's not a good fielder. I mean, we're looking at, Fielding percentage and errors, but he wasn't like it wasn't like he was someone that was so egregiously terrible that he was going to weigh your weigh you down. Like he he wasn't great defensively, but he wasn't horrible defensively. And also, if we're you know if he's playing in twenty nineteen, when not twenty twenty three, no, not twenty (laughs) twenty three. But if he's playing in this shift era. He's being positioned better and the ball's going to get hit to him a lot more. So the guys who have um, metrics that look better than he does now, they have benefited from shifting. And the other thing that I just don't know, like if you look at this guy and how great he was offensively, um, I don't think you can like, we can use, we can talk about Scott Rowland and how his defense is a part of what makes him a great player. Jeff Kent was a great player without having to be great defensively. He was just a he was a great player, and in my opinion, if you're going to put designated hitters in the Hall of Fame, then you can't penalize guys who, um, like I said, if. The defense can help get you in, but I don't think the defense should keep you out. If you're if you're a great hitter and you weren't a great defensive player because we're putting DHs in the Hall of Fame. So, he never would played on American League. He played on one American League club in 1996. Oh, and he played in Toronto for a couple of years beginning of his career. So, he didn't have that same kind of like, oh yeah, you can DH take a couple of days off or just be a full-time DH. So, why are we penalizing guys who when we didn't have a universal DH, they played a position and yeah.
1: Okay. Um, I think I agree with you somewhat. I, I, uh, think with DH, you just have to be one of the best hitters ever to get in. So, you know, if Jeff Kent was a DH, does his case change? I think it hurts because I think part of what helps his case is that he played second yeah. base, you know, a place yeah. where we usually don't yeah. have a masher at. So,
0: yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, moving along here, uh, cause I think we agree mostly on that. Um, so those are the four that I would have voted for 100%. Um, one guy that I would also add, there's I one don't... person
1: I would add to. So
0: <laughs> Okay, I feel like it's gonna be different. But one guy okay. who I actually feel like I can't say for certain that I'm like one hundred percent he is a Hall of Famer, but someone who I do think we should that should get more than 17% is Andy Pettit. Okay. Andy Pettit is one of the best postseason pitchers of when we grew up. He was clutch. He mm-hmm. was a clutch pitcher. Um he did use HGH. Was on the Mitchell Report, but it was at a time when HGH was not a banned substance. And he, if it, I, I don't know if this changes it for anybody, but he used it. The only time he used it was to recover from injury. That was the only time. This is like a guy who is very honest and, like, in terms of character, one of the best people who's pitched in baseball. Uh, let me see if I can pull this up. How many all-stars? So he's a three time All-Star. He won five World Series. Um, finished let's see, Cy Young one, two, three, four, five times he was a top six pitcher in the American League.
1: Seventeen percent. Yeah. I'm uh you know, I don't really think whether you're I mean, I I'm not sure this was your argument anyway, but I don't think whether you're a good person or not or like an even great person with the media, you know, this argument's stupid coming out of my mouth anyway, because of course it's going to matter because we have opinionated baseball writers voting here. But I don't I think it should all matter. You know, I think how you were as a baseball player. It's not the good person Hall of Fame, you know. Um, Now, with that being said. Someone like uh, you know someone. I'm not partial like steroid people. I don't. I would not vote for Like I would not vote for Alex Rodriguez. Um, someone like uh, uh, Omar Vizquel, who has you know like some bad abuse uh, allegations. Like I would not vote for him. So that obviously. But as far as like you know, good, some whatever yeah. good person whatever. But um, yeah, Andy Pettit. Um, yeah, I mean he's very. I think Hall is very good. I just don't. He's not a Hall of Famer for me, but I don't hate it. I'm just
0: saying I think I think he should be more of like a 50% guy than a 17% guy. That's what I'm saying. I don't know for certain if he's a Hall of Fame guy, but I am a little surprised that, especially for pitching on the Yankees, I mean, some of those other players from that era, though, fell off the ballot really quickly. Like, Bernie Williams should be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Bernie Williams was a great player. Posada fell off the ballot immediately. Ooh. Bernie Williams was probably... I mean, at least one of those World Series teams, he was the best player on. I mean, that's obviously a conversation. It's not the Bernie Williams podcast, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. It can um, be. Could be. <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought Andy Pettit was a guy that, in the postseason, you wanted on the mound. Um, He wasn't like... Statistically, lights out dominant, but I mean, he won 19 postseason games. I don't know. I thought I think he's I I he was a good postseason performer, top six pitcher in the American League, you know, six different times. I I think there's a case to be made there. Sure, <laughs> he had two 256 wins. I know we don't care about wins anymore, but man,
1: that was a lot. No, we sh- and we should care about wins, especially when we're Hall of Fame voting on people that didn't that played a while back. Yeah. So, Okay, well, who's your guy then? Do you Rollins? want to take a yes? Um,
0: J-Roll. N- who? Jimmy Rollins.
1: Oh, no. I'm like, who's that? <laughs> sorry. J-Roll. Okay, okay. <laughs> sorry, about, sorry. Well, I know who Jimmy Rollins is. Uh, no, it's not Jimmy
0: Rollins. <laughs> all right, well, I'll mention this while we're here. Jimmy Rollins, Mark Burley... Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod, and Tori Hunter all survived. So congratulations to those four. Bobby Abreu as well. All Bobby Abreu is
1: like the best never talked about player of all time. Like, if you just put up his numbers and I didn't say, I wasn't like, hey, Jack, this is Bobby Abreu. And take a look <laughs> at his numbers. If I was just like, hey, Jack, look at these numbers, you'd be like, I might vote for that guy. <laughs> I guarantee you would maybe vote for that guy, too. And people are probably look at, uh, listening to this and they're like, what are you talking about? Go look at Bobby Abreu's numbers. They're pretty nice.
0: <laughs> they're very nice. I mean, part of the thing, though, with Bobby Abreu, though, is it, 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 it was like there was no time in his career where you were like, man, Bobby is going to come up and he's going to kill us. You know, right. like he... Let's see. So this is another thing. How many times did he get... Top 10 MVP votes. Zero. One. Okay. Yeah. None. Uh, Finished 12th one year. Yeah. 16th, 17th, 14th. So I like think he's a, he would be, if you want to talk about Hall, very good. I think he's the poster <laughs> child.
1: I think there's two ways to get in the Hall of Fame. Either you're Sandy Koufax and you are just ungodly dominant for five years. Like, best of the best. You know, like, MVP top 3 5 years in a row or you have massive uh, longevity cuz this game is hard. This game is hard to be elite at for a long time. If you have 15 plus years of great numbers, then you're know, not great but very good numbers, then yes, that yeah, that should get you in too. Um with that being said, I don't care how good your counting numbers are if you don't even have one year where you're, you know, a top 10 player, you, you don't belong in the hall of fame. Yeah, well, um, I will say that
0: his teammate, J-Roll, Jimmy Rollins, he's going to get a little more consideration, three-time all-star, an MVP at the shortstop position, and he had that amazing hit streak. So that'll be – I'll I'll say is that I'm glad that he's sticking around because I think out of all those names, he's the one that I'd be like – there's we could have a conversation about J roll. I don't know if I'd say that for Mark Burley or K rod or Tori Hunter, but, or even Abreu. but J roll.
1: Yeah. I think if K rod could have not fallen off, um, he did not end his career well at all. And kind of ended it a little earlier than a reliever needs. I believe when he was like 33 or 34, he fell off pretty hard. Uh, and that Nonetheless. talk about what we're saying about the volatility of release pitchers. Sure, features. sure. And why it's so impressive to be, you know. There's only so many guys that we would ever consider to be Hall of Fame relievers, so. Um,
0: so your guy is either Andrew Jones or Carlos Beltran. Right. Is it Andrew Jones? It is. Okay.
1: And it is when you look at, you know, you got 430 home runs and you have, I think one of the best defensive center fielders of all time. Yeah. How, how can you not, how can you have a hall of fame and not have one of the best defensive center fielders of all time? And we're not talking like best, uh, first baseman of all time, which would still be great, but center field, you know, pretty important position, and 430 homers, if we use 500 as our metric for, you know, that might change now with the inflation but of home runs. But <laughs> I, I I have a hard time not voting for the person who, you know, is a great defender at a premier position and hit 430 home runs. I know he flamed out near the end. Yeah, that's the, hard. That's the thing. Yeah.
0: So that's the thing that hurts him is... I mean, he probably... Okay, let's let's be real here. He came up at 19. Given how he suddenly fell off a cliff at age 29, mm-hmm. that may not have been his actual age. He may have actually been <laughs> like 25, and then he fell off at 35. And that would actually be better for him, because I think if you look at it, you're like, man, what the heck happened to him in, when he was 30 years old? And then... Uh, he went over the Dodgers for a little bit, and he was on the Rangers and the White Sox, the Yankees, and he just wasn't... It's like He just was not the same player. He had 51 home runs.
1: I, I mean, two thousand five. I, I always thought Albert Pujols was older than he said, but it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> well, based sport, on last year, he may have been 42, younger. 42, 48, 84, whatever that boy hits. So... <laughs> <laughs> so... Um,
0: yeah, I I think you sold me. I mean, he's another one that I haven't... Like, in all honesty, I don't have a vote. And in the past, we've been so focused on Clemens, Bonds. I don't even like to put Schilling into that group. But for whatever reason, he's part of that group, even though he never used steroids. But now we had a chance this year to kind of talk a little more about some of these other guys. And I think Andrew Jones is someone who probably should be certainly examined a little more closely. Do you think he will get in? So he got, by the way, Andrew Jones, 58.1%. So he got the fourth highest amount of of votes behind Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Scott Rowland.
1: I I do think he'll get in. And um, I hate the whole first year thing. Like, I'm not going to vote for this guy because it's first year Hall of Famer has a specific ring to it or whatever. I yeah, don't know. They're like either that. they're like, either yeah. a Hall of Famer exactly. or they're not a Hall of Famer.
0: <laughs> exactly. Although with Beltron I don't mind it in all honesty. With Beltron it's kind of like maybe we should talk about this a little further before we just say one-way ticket to the Hall of Fame. I mean, you,
1: you he's not someone you would have voted for. I would have I, I would have before 2017. Well, obviously, yeah. And uh, like no doubt and now I'm I'm no. I have I guess, well, I don't have a vote either, obviously, but I guess I have nine (laughs) years to change my mind. Right now, I haven't changed my mind yet. Um, But it is funny how that thing goes, because although he was kind of considered like the ringleader of this, like I still, when I go to a game, if Alec Alec Bregman's there, I'm going to boo him. Um, But I'm probably not going to boo George Springer. So why? I don't know. That's just how I feel. (laughs) I'm going to boo Jose Altuve. Like, I'm not going to boo I don't know some other someone else on that team. I don't know.
0: <laughs> JP France, you better not boo him. Not going
1: to boo JP France.
0: No. Good. Yeah.
1: i can't not going to boo JP. Marwin Gonzalez and Marwin Gonzalez was by far the most benefited by that thing. By far career uh career numbers that year for him. So, I don't know. It's just kind of how you feel sometimes I guess. But.
0: Yeah, I would say with Beltron it's really something that I think was really interesting was I want these, I want the hall of fame to reflect what the great players and even the not so great players, what are their thoughts on this? Cause they're, they're the guys who face these guys. So like that is, that honestly is something where I'm just like, I can understand that idea of like, man, that guy was really great, but he was legitimately a terrible person. Like, mm-hmm. do we want him representing us? in that hall of fame like that in terms of character like that i i do think there's something to that i get that but i feel like a lot of times on the character thing it's like the journalist just deciding who has good character who does not have good character and it's similar like i if one day i hopefully i'll get a vote for this thing and i'm going to say like i'd like to do investigative journalism, talk to players from that era and say, what did you think of this guy? What did you think of that guy? Because that was part of what I mentioned earlier was how Sean Casey talked about how Billy Wagner was the guy he feared most in the ninth inning, even more than Trevor Hoffman. And I think that really matters. So having said all of that, with the steroid era, there were a lot of guys who, have not spoken out against it. And part of it was probably because of the players' union at that time of like, this is going to hurt us. We don't want to, you know, go after our own kind of thing like that. When the sign-stealing scandal was reported on, and even since, the players really spoke out loudly against this thing. Now, there's a belief by some... That they weren't the only team doing what they did, and there were different degrees. And stealing signs has always been a part of the game to to be stand on second base, and to gesture over and figure out the signs. That's okay, though. That's all fair. That's that. There's that's all fair and love and war in baseball. Yeah, like that's that's a part of the game. That's that's gamesmanship. But to do what Houston did, and I would even say, like with the Apple Watches. The Red Sox did there were other teams that did it. And then the other the so like the 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 um the amount of disgust and disdain from the players, like that that means something. That that should mean something, and that's a big part of why I believe Carlos Beltran did not get in today. It's the only reason why he didn't it's get in. It's the only today, reason, yeah. I think. I think. Well I mean it was I was saying like not just the fact that he did what he did but the players were and it wasn't just players managers executives scouts were so ticked off about this thing
1: And speaking further upon what you said I think that's great why we have that's why it's great that we have a veterans committee of yeah. uh strictly highly respected former um not only great players but great people so yeah so i mean and this is like the thing. biggest fraternity or like the best i mean like yeah the coolest I mean, fraternity yeah i mean who i mean like yeah the basketball hall of fame the national football hall of fame it's just not the same as no. the baseball hall of fame no it's not I've heard that
0: basketball hall of fame is just kind of off like the highway just kind of weird, like and then like but cooperstown like you you make that kind of father son trip you drive there it's out in the country and have you ever been jack? I have. I have. My brother played a tournament when he was in 6th grade. He played in the at Dreams Park. Yeah. It's a fun experience. Um
1: so yeah. I was at All-Star Village so uh didn't play but umpire. <laughs> um that's it. To... My,
0: my brother played. I didn't play. But yeah. um Yeah. So anyway, Carlos Beltran. I don't know. The thing that some are saying though that's interesting is like, why? Why is he? Like, okay. So, Cora is managing a team. AJ Hinch is managing a team. Everyone else is still playing from that team, and have. I mean, Cora was suspended. Hinch was suspended. But. Actually was Hinch suspended? Yeah, I think he had Yeah Hinch he's out of year. Yeah, he was out of year. So guys were suspended. They're still managing, they're still playing, so they paid some kind of penalty. And but Beltron, it's like some people say that he's the only guy from that team that's kind of answering for this. Do you think that's a fair
1: assessment? No. I mean, what do you want to do? Give him a public spanking? <laughs> like, I mean, he's not playing anymore. So you can't suspend, I mean, well, he got a, he was hired as the Mets manager, maybe for not you, maybe people have forgot that because it was very short lived and he got fired. You know, maybe there's still a chance he could be a manager at some point um, forward. Um, But I mean, okay, the players didn't get suspended, which of course I would have loved to see these players get suspended, but they are, you know, some of them get it really bad in road ballpark still. Um, I mean, what, okay. Maybe it's not, I, I mean, I don't know. Are these players also gonna I mean, Jose Altuve is going to have a hall of fame resume. So is he not going to get in because of this? I really hope that we can stay consistent about this. Cause I'm the thing that drives me crazy is a lack of consistency and not just within baseball, but just world in general. I wish we could be more consistent as far as things that we do. And, uh, you know, they haven't been with steroids and that irritates me. I, I personally am anti steroids, but now that certain people have got in that take steroids, I don't really like that people that I, I don't, I don't like that. There are those in that have, and those that, did aren't in I think that it should be one or the other um so you know if if like Altuve gets in and Beltran doesn't then that sucks yeah
0: yeah I mean that's a fair point it's like none of these other guys have come up yet so this is where we're kind of setting the tone on this thing and Mm -hmm. what what do we think so to me I want to know what the players think and I think based on what I've heard the players don't want this to be celebrated in any way. The, the other way to go about it is, like you said, he's a Hall of Famer if he doesn't do this stuff. I mean, it, and he, it, this did not enhance his own play. So those are the arguments people are going to make. I could see myself, I haven't fully formed a strong opinion on this. I would say, and that's where I would say no. I can't say that I'm like never and I would never ever 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 vote for him. I could still change my mind. I could see myself like if I got a vote, if he's still up there in 9 years and I'm able to vote then, uh I would, I think you might have to be 10 years of uh being a BBWAA member. Um but nonetheless, let's move on uh cuz we Can I can Belkin. I add one yes, thing? Please. Sure. Uh. Yeah.
1: This is a take that I've, I've thought this for a long time, and a lot of people disagree with me, and I don't know if I've ever ran this by you or not, but I hate the argument of Barry Bonds was a Hall of Fame player before he took steroids, or Carlos Beltran put up Hall of Fame numbers before he did this sign-stealing thing. Okay, well, Jack, if you are in a college class and you have an A-plus in the class, but you decide to cheat on the final exam, what happens? Well, if, I, if he catches me. Okay, I, ca- I catch you cheating on the final <laughs> exam. What happens? I'm probably like kicked out of the school. <laughs> well, you fail the class. Yeah. Okay. You don't get a zero on the test and then, oh, but you had an A plus, so now you just get a C. Yeah. No, you're numbered. No, you fail. So that's how I see it. You didn't finish the job. And so what, that's why you wouldn't get my whole thing about Well, Well,
0: what are your thoughts? I think that's a great point.
1: Thank you. Th- thank you.
0: What are your thoughts on
1: Gary Sheffield? Um, I'm I'm anti Gary Sheffield, so for that I, I just yeah for those reasons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, I just think it's interesting. So Gary Sheffield got fifty five percent. Uh, A Rod got thirty five point seven percent. Manny got 332 percent, and. Like, I don't understand you vote for a rod, but you don't vote for Manny. Like I, that makes no, <laughs> that makes no sense to me. Like a rod <laughs> got suspended and caught more than Manny did. Like
1: that drove me nuts with like McGuire and like Sosa. <laughs> like how is, how is McGuire out doing Sosa? Like, aren't they both hall of famers without steroids? I don't, uh, yeah, no Sosa's not. So like, that's the, okay. So that's well, then the maybe kind maybe- of thing.
0: So, okay. like, Maguire, Bonds, um, Clemens, all guys who are probably Hall of Famers without steroids. That,
1: yes, Bonds and Clemens. How they don't have the same is ridiculous. Right, That is preposterous.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but Sosa was like... I think Sosa was juicing for much of his career. I mean, he was never a big-time prospect. But anyway, Manny Ramirez, though, if it, 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 it's like, you know... So this is where I would say I would probably be with everything right now is since big poppy got in and he used performance enhancing drugs, then I mean, it's, it's harder for me to to be hard line on bond should never be in. Clement should never be in. McGuire should never be in because those guys were, I mean, bonds was a better player than big poppy was. And, we know that if you want to talk about that kind of argument of, I know you don't like it, but bonds would have been in the hall of fame without steroids. We can't, we don't know about poppy. Like we don't, we don't entirely know that.
1: Um, That's what sucks. Now it's like, we have to put bonds in because, and I just said that, like, I wish it was consistent, you know? Yeah. So that's
0: where it's like, I, you know, that's tough, but basically we can't, we can't really go back to what hasn't been done because those guys are no longer on this ballot but we can talk about the guys who are on this ballot and in the case of a rod and manny ramirez both were suspended for steroid usage and i think because of that they should not be in i think uh, there are a lot of people who draw that line and say you know what? It was different 20 years ago. It was the Wild West. There were a lot of guys who were just kind of doing what they could to get ahead. That was the culture of the sport. In the 2000s, we had really said this hard line, no. And if you get caught, you're going to be suspended. And both those guys got suspended. Some would say the suspensions, you also hurt your team by not being able to play. So I'm not, I would not vote for A Rod. I would not vote for Manny. It kind of bums me out, though, because I did really like Manny.
1: (laughs) I don't know if it matters, but we aren't talking about people who, uh, with A-Rod and Manny that just peeked at their partner one time and wrote down some answers. I mean, we're talking about (laughs) guys that, like, we're talking about repeat offenders here. Like, we're talking about two guys for how good they were at baseball. Man, were they terrible cheaters. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And terrible liars, too.
0: (laughs) A-Rod got... Like, there was a report, um, I think someone wrote a book, and said that A-Rod was taking steroids in high school. That all of a sudden he put on 100 100 pounds of muscle his senior year of high school. And I remember some people trying to be like, oh, that's puberty. I went through puberty, too, and that did not happen.
1: (laughs) He was in touch with Canseco as a high schooler. (laughs) I don't know. Have you read
0: Juiced? They went to the same high school, didn't they? Christopher Columbus High School. That's where uh, same Descari area, went. Florida.
1: I don't know if it was the same high school. I'm Have pretty you sure. Juiced? Yeah,
0: juiced. I haven't read it. Did you read? Very it? easy read. Oh, I Very believe easy. it. <laughs> Jose
1: Canseco. Not you. Don't need a big vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice, you know. I I'm happy I read it. It's fine. Like it's, you can skip through the Madonna chapter, but it's <laughs> 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 like it, it has some stuff in there that's worth. This reading, whatever.
0: Okay, so I got it wrong. They did not. I'm looking at Christopher Columbus High School. It's got the alumni, and I don't see either of them on here, but I Mm -hmm. do see Arestis (laughs) Estrade, the big O, Pedro Grifal, the manager of the White Sox, John Jay. Is he
1: Molina? Is he related to the other Molinas? I only know of um Yadier and Jose and uh, Benji. Is he Molina?
0: He is not related to the brothers. Okay. But nonetheless, yeah, so so Arod was a, a big time cheater.
1: <laughs> yep. Okay. Um so... and we're talking about on the baseball field. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no comments on okay. anything else. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Omar Vizquel is the only one we uh, we didn't really talk about. I, I mean, he was a good player. I mean, he was an, another one I'd say really good. I don't. I just don't think of Omar Vizquel as great.
1: Yeah. Not like to be bad. the character police, but he did something pretty bad off the field too.
0: He was the one, I think. Um, this isn't what you're referring to, but he was the he was the one on the Indians, right? Viscell. Like, did he play for the Indians? Yeah, he played on the Indians, right? Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, are you where are you going? Yeah, to- no, I'm just making sure. I'm thinking. I'm making sure he's. Um, it's who I'm thinking of. He was on the '90s Indians team. So yeah, 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 he, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. So Viscell wrote a book about that year and he said something about Jose Mesa was like nervous coming into that game and they end up losing that game uh, game 7 of the World Series to the Florida Marlins at the time 97 World Series so in his book he wrote something about Jose Mesa being nervous Jose did not like that so every time he faced Omar Vizquel for the rest of his career he vowed to throw at him <laughs> so if you want to look it up you can find a youtube compilation probably of all the times that jose mesa threw at omar Pascal. <laughs> i love it
1: never heard of that one
0: it's in the there's i've mentioned i've talked about it before on this podcast there's a great documentary that mlb network produced it's called the dynasty that never was about the cleveland indians of the 90s okay assistant gm for those teams do you know do i know yeah, who the assistant GM was. I mean, is it
1: is it the friend of the podcast?
0: Yes, Dan okay. O'Dowd.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, John Hart was the GM. Okay. Well, only other thing that's worth noting is we had a bunch of guys fall off the ballot. So we had Houston or sorry, Matt Kane, Jacoby Ellsbury, Andre Ethier, JJ Hardy, Johnny Peralta, Jared Weaver, and Jason Worth did not get a single vote. Bronson Arroyo, R. A. Dickey, John Lackey, Mike Napoli,
1: Houston Street all got one vote. Mm -hmm. Who's voting for Bronson Arroyo? I'm being dead honest. Like five minutes before I logged on with you, I yelled down, oh my God, Sean, my brother, oh my God, Bronson Arroyo got a vote. And he goes, that's awesome, but who's the dummy who voted for him? And I go, I agree with you. But thank you. They must love uh they must be a fellow rubber hamstring friend or whatever because of that leg <laughs> kick. Oh my god I don't know I don't know if you like Jack, when I played baseball when I was younger, we always when we were warming up before games would imitate pitchers and Bronson Arroyo was the one that we would imitate all the time, and luckily, no one ever got no one ever ripped a hamstring doing that
0: but <laughs> Dontrell Willis was another one. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Willis. Yeah. Um. So Bronson Arroyo got a vote. I I really would like to know the logic there, but I am happy for him. Uh, John Lackey one vote.
1: I mean Yeah,
0: John Lackey could get a vote or two. I think that's. I mean, John Lackey. Let's see, three-time World Series champion. Um. I won an ERA like... title one year.
1: I feel like John Lackey in a parallel universe or in an alternate universe could have been John Rocker. <laughs> like John Lackey He'd be a great survivor contestant. Well, John Lackey is kind of a not kind of. John Lackey's a jerk. Like <laughs> <laughs> John Lackey though, I mean,
0: there's a the the one vote I think is totally legitimate
1: like he had a really 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 good career do you remember when he got tossed for throwing at kinsler and he missed Uh, the first time it was the very (laughs) first pitch of the game and i think he had just came come back from injury too and he missed and then the second one he hit him he actually hit him and the umpire threw him out and he's like what what (laughs) why did you throw me i'm like dude you missed on the first one like it's pretty obvious (laughs) The John Lackey experience
0: in Chicago was a, it was a fun few years. It was definitely. I mean, he to his credit, I did not think when the Cubs signed him that they were going to get a whole lot out of that. And in his age 37 season in
1: 2016, he had a 3.35 ERA. Do you know that? an umpire meeting I went to once one of our uh, umpire meetings solely like John Lackey was the topic of conversation for like half an hour because of that time when he got thrown out. Do you remember when he struck out Carlos Martinez or no, he threw a pitch right down the middle and Carlos Martinez took it and he started walking to the like, and the umpire didn't call it. And then on the next pitch, he got a two RBI single now mid play, the home plate umpire ejected John Lackey. And we had an entire discussion of what happens if a player who's been ejected then makes a play? Like He got ejected mid-play, but then so let's like, say the he answer? tags someone out. What happens? What's the answer to it? The answer is the play. He is not um, fully ejected until the play is uh, over. The answer is the out. Okay. if he makes a play, it stands. So, All right. Uh, well, but you know yeah, what? perplexing uh, something new. <laughs> Very
0: interesting scenario one other guy I want to mention R.A. Dickey. He got his one vote like that's one. I'm like I mean I'm happy for any of these guys. I'm totally happy with
1: that. Like I'm totally like R.A. Dickey like just for the like there I feel like he's someone that's going to be like talked about in um, he'll be remembered. I don't know. Like there's a sports and literature class at the high school I teach at and the baseball player that like one of the baseball players that there's a unit on is Mark Fidrich. I feel like R.A. Dickey could be a unit in like thirty years, just like coming back at age like thirty-eight with the knuckleball and everything. Like totally cool with him getting a vote.
0: You know what was crazy? Also, was that the Blue Jays traded Noah Syndergaard for him? Yeah, he's he thirty-eight years old.
1: Yeah, <laughs> similar picture. That was the
0: the Blue Jays did that in twenty thirteen, where they they really went all in and they made a big it was like one of those 2012 Miami Marlins kind of teams they're like we got everything we're gonna go out mm-hmm. and retrade for these guys we're gonna sign these free agents but didn't work out but R.A. Dickey um, great life story too um, yeah oh my gosh yes yeah so that's I that was one I was like that's pretty cool I'm glad you got mm-hmm. that vote I mean I'm glad all these guys got these votes but the Arroyo one was probably the one that surprised me the most mm-hmm. take his ballot <laughs> <laughs> give it Mike to Jack Napoli. Vita <laughs> Mike Napoli was a really good player party at Napoli's was a fun time but alright do you have anything else to add on the Hall of Fame I mean all of these
1: players were good players you were of in the, course. You had to be in the, you have to be um, a 10 year you would have played 10 years to be on the ballot and uh, I don't care what your stats are if you survived for 10 years you were very good it's true it's um, very true uh, I'm, I'm also, what is your opinion on blank ballots?
0: Well, if you don't want to vote for someone, you don't have to vote for someone. Do you think I'm they totally should just cool not vote? It? Yeah, I don't, same. If you want to vote, vote however you want to vote. I don't uh, think anyone should go in, and don't, like, we shouldn't be putting people in just because we have to put people in.
1: Yeah, if there's a year where no one should get in, then that's fine. This is a sacred place. Like, this is the Hall of Fame. It's, you know, it. I think that if it's a debate between, or if it's a, if you have to really think about it, then probably shouldn't be voting for him.
0: So next year, first year, guys, let me, let me hear yes or no, just quickly. Sure. Adrian Beltray. Absolutely. Joe Maurer. Absolutely. Chase Utley. No. I'm I'm a yes on Jay Saltley. I mean, I was okay. looking at that five year peak. If you want to talk about great hitting second baseman? Oh my gosh, clutch in the postseason. He was a great, great player. His peak was shorter,
1: but I think hopefully Jay Saltley, that slide doesn't. It was a bad. It was bad, but I don't think it was malicious that uh, when he hit Ruben Tejada. Let me see,
0: I sent this to Kyle Kendrick like couple months ago when I was doing some stuff on the World Series. Um, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Because I was just like, wow. Uh, let me see. Kyle. He, he kind of falls in the Jeff Kent, you know, like power hitting second baseman. Yeah, he does. He, it's pretty similar to Jeff Kent. This was his stats for fi- his five-year peak, 05 through 09. He averaged 29 home runs and 101 RBI over those five seasons. Um, and that's not a 162 game average. That's just his average over those five years. So 29 home runs, 101 RBI, 301 batting average, 388 OBP, 922 OPS. Yeah. He absolutely was amazing in the postseason. So he uh, said he tied. Didn't he set tie like a series record for most home runs in a World Series? Like he hit like five home runs in the World Series. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think he did. I think he did in, like, six games. They lost in six games to the Yankees, and he he tied the World Series record for most home runs in a World Series. Switch hitter? I know you like switch hitters. Utley? Wasn't he a switch hitter? I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. He was a lefty. Oh, you're right. Yeah, lefty. My bad. I'm actually...
1: Rollins, though, is a fellow up the middle. Was
0: Rollins a switch hitter? Yes. Okay, I mixed him up. I'm actually... This is, like... For people who are still who are you know an hour into the podcast, you'll learn I'm actually not that good at remembering righty and lefties. Like I, I don't know why, just not. It's kind of sad, okay. but
1: you have a lot to offer, <laughs> of
0: that, Jack. <laughs> okay, so I say Utley, yes. You say no, or maybe you say maybe. Sure, sure.
1: Okay, David Wright, and that that it's a no, and it it sucks. That it's yeah, a no, I agree. You know because it's you know it's a big what if. Bartolo Colon, you can't put him in. He, no one, um, you know, I, I love Bartolo Colon, but I mean, he he was suspended for steroids, and no one wants to talk about it. Just like David Ortiz, and we can't do that. We got to be consistent here. Matt Holiday, oh,
0: Matt Holiday. I was looking at his numbers. He's kind of close. Like he should be.
1: He should stay on the ballot after year one, is what I would say. Oh, easily. Yeah. I I I have to think. I mean, I I I'm leaning no, but I mean,
0: Matt Holiday. Let's pull up his. Okay, seven-time All Star. Okay. Four-time Silver Slugger, NLCS MVP, won a batting title, won a World Series. 2007, he batted 340 with a 405 OBP finished second in MVP voting. So that was like his like amazing great season, but what are I his mean, counting
1: stats? Counting stats? Like how many home career career home run?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So 316 home run, 1220 RBI. Uh what are some other ones he want? Batting average. Batting average 299 for his career in 15 years, 379 yeah. OBP, 889 OPS.
1: Yeah, it's a no, but he definitely
0: should stay he's, on. He's close. Like it's it's it might be closer than people realize. Like because mm-hmm. I mean, and he had. I'll, if you look at his seasons, you're like, oh my gosh, he had a lot of just um really really really
1: outstanding seasons. He's gonna get Coors effect too, but he well, did have some good years in St. Louis. So. He had
0: some great years in St. Louis. No, right? I, I'm just yeah, and in Oakland too. I mean, he had. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, Matt holiday, he's another one. Maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see. But like that one's close. Adrian Gonzalez. No. I want to see his stats. Adrian Gonzalez. How many? He almost yeah, won he... an MVP though. He was. Yeah. So
1: he was he kind of flamed out at the end of like 2011 or whatever year that was.
0: He was still a good player, though. I mean, when he was over to the Dodgers, but yeah, he was like, yeah, he's probably he's gonna he would probably be a guy who's like n- never gets above fifteen percent, kind of. Yeah, but like, I mean, obviously, all these guys, great careers. Um, I think Holiday's closer. I'm looking. I'm comparing. After looking at Holiday stats, I'm like, wow, because I always, mean, you know, I. You think of those players, you're probably not thinking of like Matt Holliday being like significantly greater than Adrian Gonzalez, but I'm looking at these two, I'm like, wow. You know. So Adrian Gonzalez probably no um Jose Batista, Joey
1: Bats. I mean, no, and he did He ped didn't he? No, I don't think he ever got caught, but he has that weird going from being terrible to a random forty nine home run season yes. or something. <laughs> No. I'm sure a picture of his uh NLDS Game 5 home run against the Rangers is hanging in Cooperstown somewhere. <laughs> but no, he's not getting into the Hall of Fame and he's not getting he's not gonna survive past the first Okay, one. last one.
0: Oh actually no, there are more. Um Jose Reyes. No. Victor Martinez. No. James Shields. <laughs> no. <laughs> Brandon Phillips no Denard Spann and
1: Brandon Phillips will get mad about it too <laughs> he will Denard Spann no <laughs> Chase Headley, um <laughs> no and, and you know Brandon Phillips is going to be the first person ever to be on the Hall of Fame ballot and still be playing baseball at a professional <laughs> level <laughs> is he still playing I think he, so like, in Korea no Mexico I think
0: wow Doug no. Fister, Giovanni Gallardo, no. Brad Ziegler. Those are the other no. ones. Ooh, Brad Ziegler. No. Brad Ziegler. Um, oh, wait, there are more. There are <laughs> two. Ryan Madsen, Phil Hughes, Brandon Morrow, Chris Tillman, Jim Johnson, and Santiago Casilla.
1: Santiago Casilla. Um, there's a... Uh, oh, what are they called? like it's like a dork town or whatever video on um santiago castilla having the most depressing at bat in mlb history <laughs> he got walked he's a closer okay and yeah. he he was playing a game in florida that like there was like 400 people there and as a reliever he came up to bat because it was like a i don't know like a 12 run game and he got walked on four pitches and they voted <laughs> that like the most depressing at bat in major league <laughs> baseball history <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh That's fun. I mean Not a Hall of Famer But a member of a Really great bullpen When the Giants won the World yeah. Series Yeah I mean that was a And then who was the one horror. before that?
1: Um, Ryan Brian Madsen's Wilson. been retired for five years oh. Yeah Okay, I'm still mad at him Because He was on the Reds Never once pitched for us And he hit Joey Votto on purpose Back in like 2017 because we hit Bryce Harper on an 0-2 count. <laughs> and Joey Votto was out for like a month. So, yes. I can't believe that was five years it's,
0: ago. It's hard for me to believe that 2017 was like six years ago. That was when I graduated college. I'm like, yeah. wow, time's moving by quickly. So, alright. Well, anyway, that was, that's what the Hall of Fame ballot's going to look like next year. So, Mauer, yes. I mean, Maurer's probably a... I mean, do you think Maurer? And Beltray our first ballot. Oh, absolutely. And then Utley, and I, I think Utley is a Hall of Famer. I would vote for Utley. Probably he probably not on year. the first.
1: What? He won't get it next year. No,
0: and Holiday won't. Uh. But Holiday's gonna. Holiday's gonna have a good case. Like Holiday is one to to keep an eye on. I mean, he was like. He's kind of like the Brian, uh, Bobby Abreu, where you're talking about like a guy who's underrated. But if you have not to look,
1: not to that level, but yes,
0: you know, I think he's a better player than Bobby Abreu. Me too. And and also he was like I was just like I said, like I'm just looking at him like holy cow, like he had a lot of great years. Like he mm-hmm. was, he's a great player. Lance Berkman should be in the Hall of Fame too. By the way, Lance Berkman, Roy Oswalt, Jim Edmonds, all three of them. Okay.
1: Agree, disagree. Um, uh, disagree on all three. Really? No, 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 like not, not all three of them. Hmm. Um, okay, who's in, who's I don't, out? I don't. This is just off the top of my head, because I I don't like to give opinions with. I don't want to put something out there without yeah, okay, complete okay. information. But yes. off the top of my head, um oswald no edmonds yeah uh, no berkman i mean i'm no on all three just because it's but i'm not like i could change my mind in five minutes if i looked at the numbers but. <laughs> i
0: will convince you before we do this next year i, I okay we'll do it. fair enough fair um enough. we're not we don't have time to do it today so All right. Well, the next big news story from today is something that isn't something that we talk about with a light heart. Obviously, we got some news that um, Mike Clevenger has been is under investigation by Major League Baseball right now, and he might not be pitching this year. He got signed by the Chicago White Sox as a free agent. Thing that's interesting is this investigation has been open since last Uh. summer. So the only thing that I, you know, one thing I do wonder is when Trevor Bauer had an investigation open on him, he was gone. He wasn't pitching at all. But Clevenger was pitching all throughout last year, even with this investigation open. Do you find that interesting? Um,
1: No. Trevor Bauer's the whipping boy.
0: Trevor Bauer, I mean, I think part of it is now that this is public, there's a PR thing, so I don't I don't think Mike is going to pitch until this thing's taken care of now. Oh, absolutely not. So that's probably the difference, is the Bauer stuff became public immediately, and this was reported on because The Athletic talked to this woman who was alleging child abuse, domestic violence... Um, which is not something that you know we talk about with light heart. We we joke about anything like
1: that. But and Trevor um, Bauer and uh, Mike Clevenger were like best friends in Cleveland. It's true. So um,
0: I will say that I wrote about this earlier, and I know it. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but I don't know why the White Sox didn't just re up on Johnny Cueto after what he gave them last year on a minor league deal because they ended up paying Clevenger the same amount of money that Cueto got from the Marlins, and Cueto proved that he could pitch in that ballpark, which is a hitter's park. He found the Fountain of Youth last year. I don't know why they didn't want to just bring Cueto back as their fifth starter. I mean, they must have seen... I I have to think they're looking at Clevenger with more upside, because you're looking at Clevenger as your fifth starter, and this is a guy who just a few years ago, the Padres gave up a really big package for in a trade. So a belief that Clevenger could bounce back into that, I guess. But I mean, I, and I know it's easy to say right now, but, um, I would have
1: just kept Cueto. I think it's all upside. Like you said, um, you know, for number five guy. Yeah. Johnny quit is great. Um, but uh, Clevenger certainly has more upside, so I don't. I mean, I don't hate the move, but um, White obviously said, now
0: it's yeah. yeah. White Sox said that they were not aware of this investigation. One second, I got sneeze. Muted my mic in time. There we go. That was a loud sneeze. People, the no
1: sneezing like, on the Jack Vita
0: show. <laughs> um. So anyway. Long story short, White Sox might need to find a fifth starter now. We'll see what happens. Uh, in other news, the let's see. So we had Jesus Aguilar got picked up by the Oakland A's. Trevor Bauer is still without a team uh, since the last time we did one of these baseball things. And I'm going to give you my prediction on Bauer, Ryan. Tell me
1: if you agree, disagree. Can we talk about Jesus Aguilar's pant size first? Sure. Oh my God, you can fit probably three major leaguers in. <laughs> I remember when he was in Milwaukee, there was a little like bit where they had multiple guys, and it's like two guys would put on his pants. Like his legs are freaking tree trunks. <laughs> like they are unlike anything. Like he is like the Taft of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways,
0: go your prediction. Yes. I'm glad we took that little detour for you to remind us of that. Um, Okay, so my prediction with Trevor Bauer is I think someone's going to pick him up. I think if you want to, I mean, anyone who picks him up is going to take some kind of PR hit. However, you're going to take an even greater PR hit if you pick him up right now in January when there's nothing going on. Because that's Mm going to be... Like you're going to, that's going to be a story from now till spring training. Whereas if you're Kansas city who, or even like Baltimore, Baltimore is a team that it's not a huge market. They are right now wanting to add a starting pitcher. I don't know. Maybe they've said already that they will, they've come out and said, we will not stand for Trevor Bauer. We'll not pick him up. I know there are some teams that have done that, but my thought is if you're going to pick up Trevor Bauer You're going to do it after spring training starts or maybe even after the season starts, because I'm in this business right now where I'm trying to find stuff to write about. There's not a whole lot to talk about and write about right now. So when the season gets, so if you pick up Bauer, you're going to take an even bigger PR hit. It's going to be a big story going into spring training. If you pick him up after spring training started it's still going to be a story, no doubt. Obviously, it's going to be a story, and there will be some kind of PR hit that your team takes. However, at the same time, people are going to be more like, okay, look at this home run that Aaron Judge just hit, or look at what this rookie's doing over here. So my thought is he will get picked up, but it's not going to happen until spring training begins or even the regular season begins, and he's going to get picked up by a smaller market team.
1: Makes a lot of sense to me. I hadn't thought about it like that, but I love, the, I love what you're saying. I, I completely um, I think that makes a lot of sense. I will say that if I'm Baltimore, uh, like Kansas City, yeah, that seems like a good move for them. Baltimore, they got a really good thing going with yeah. a lot of young guys. Bad idea. Not worth it. They're going to be fine either way. Um, I'm thinking either a team that has nothing going on um, or a team that is uh, maybe on their last leg, you know, or a team that I don't know. Like maybe if the Angels are thinking about like moving mm. some people or blowing it up, like a team right before they blow it up. And if you know bringing Bauer in and like something bad, you know, with their chemistry or whatever, then whatever. But Baltimore, like out of the thirty teams, they're like thirtieth for me.
0: Who had yeah advised? Um, I I just I, I wasn't think. I guess I I didn't have them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just trying to think of teams that I knew right now are still trying to add a starting pitcher. And I know Baltimore right. is. I know Kansas city is. Um, I don't think Minnesota is anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean like what about San Diego? Like San Diego has, they're already above the luxury tax threshold. So this is, I mean, even in a, it's like on a smaller market team, it's a great, it's a great ad in terms of cost effectiveness, but it also can be too for a team that has a gigantic payroll what do you think?:
1: I don't know if I'd mess with what's going on in, in San Diego either. I um, mean, if he
0: but if he went over to the Padres, you would tune in.: I feel like every, <laughs> you'd watch every start against the Dodgers.
1: Yeah, I just feel like if he was going to San Diego, that would have already happened, just off of what San Diego has been doing. <laughs> okay, I think they so. would have already done that. Yeah. All right, because no, they they, well, they remember I told you they, they stole a, a printing press from uh, Drake and Josh as dealers. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so anyway, yeah, I think I think that that's my prediction on Bauer, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's notable that's happened. I mean, we oh, yeah. Chapman maybe, yeah, Chapman got picked up by the Royals. Good pickup. Not expensive. Could bounce back. Really wasn't that long ago since he was really, really good. Isn't that old? Maybe the velocity starting to go. I haven't been tracking that as much. But if he, like, when he loses his velocity, he's going to be in trouble because that's been his greatest strength.
1: So, he does have a great slider, though, and a great. Now he's working with that splitter, too. So, he's not, um, he's, he's better off speed than people think. But is his off speed as good as it is because he has a hundred and whatever mile per hour fastball and he releases the ball from like his strides, like eight feet. So, um, that could be part of it, but
0: Hey, we just got, we got a question here on the comments. Let's answer the question. Johnny Fredericks. It's an old classmate, old classmate of mine from Christian heritage Academy. longtime friend, Johnny. Thanks for, thanks for commenting. Thanks for watching. Johnny Fredericks would like to know, what about the Mariners for Bauer?
1: Well, Mario Lanza said he wouldn't care. So Mario well said he
0: wouldn't <laughs> care, but he doesn't think they would do it. He thinks I don't think they will either.
1: They're much more careful about who they bring in. Yeah. Great question, Johnny. But uh, I think they kind of fall into the Orioles camp. Of, they have a really good thing going uh, up and coming. Not as much as the Orioles do, as far as up and coming, but um, they're still somewhat up and coming. So I, I would avoid it. I don't think yeah. it will happen.
0: I don't think it will happen either. But I do think, like I, I did write. I mean, this guy. If you if you want to pick up a Cy Young for the league minimum, you have a chance to do that. So someone, <laughs> someone's going to do it. Um, we have another comment here. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just skip that.
0: <laughs> Ryan's mom says, Hi, Jack.
1: Oh, man, I feel slighted.
0: <laughs> that was when that was when you disappeared. We lost Ryan for like oh, okay. a couple minutes. And I was like, leave, I was like, guys, comment so that way I can uh, I can answer some questions here. Um, okay, well the last thing is this Pablo Lopez trade. Um This is a bad trade for my really Jack. This is a really, really bad trade. Because the Marlins just gave up someone who could be an ace of a pitching staff. That type of arm. Who was under two years of control. Their number five prospect in their farm system. And another low-level prospect from like rookie league. So they gave up. Not only did they give up Pablo Lopez. They also gave up two prospects for Luis Arias. Who nice rolling of the r's there was that good (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) i
0: tried (laughs) um i'm not gonna do it again because it's not gonna sound as good so that guy luis he won a batting title last year but we're not when you think of luis you're not thinking of someone who is a great player i mean he's not someone who's amazing defensively he's a utility guy he's a really good hitter they will have him for an extra year of club control than the marlins would have or with would have had with lopez marlins have a surplus of pitching so they everyone knew that they were looking to trade somebody one of these pitchers i just can't believe that someone was able to get prospects back for that pitcher because This is something that kind of happens sometimes is when everyone knows you're trying to make a trade teams can kind of, you know, they're like, okay, you're a sucker. We're going to, you're going to take from you. And that's what happened here with the Marlins. This is a really bad trade because if you have the choice between uh, if we're, if we're going to say Luis and Pablo are equal, let's just say that they're equal. One's a really good starter. One's a really good position player. I'd much rather have the really good pitcher because he's going to impact the game more significantly with his 25 to 30 starts in a season, maybe 35 starts. If we're lucky 25, 30 starts versus the three or four, the four at bats a game that I'm going to get out of Luis. So I think this was terrible for Miami and they're assembling a roster right now. That's really like, a 10-year-old playing MVP baseball. I love that. (laughs) Jazz Chisholm's going to move to center field, where I actually think he could be pretty good there. Um, But now you've got Joey Wendell sliding over to shortstop. He hasn't played a lot of shortstop. You've got Gene Segura playing third base, where he really hasn't played before. Um, Luis is going to play first base. Who's playing second base? Um... I don't know. I like <laughs> Luis could play second base and then you could still have Garrett Cooper at first base, but they're now they're close to signing Yuli Guriel. And Guriel recently unfollowed the Astros and followed the Marlins on Instagram, but they haven't signed a deal yet. So I think Luis is probably gonna go to second base and they're gonna have Yuli at first base and the Marlins are gonna win seventy five games.
1: Yeah, um, the Marlins are kind of in a bad spot because they're in a division with three win-now teams in Atlanta, New York, and Philly. And Atlanta and New York aren't going anywhere. Philly might be a team that in two or three years is struggling, but I don't see Atlanta or New York going anywhere. So I don't really know what you do if you're Miami. Like, do you try to win? I don't know because it's like... If you're like, well, we're a couple years out, it's not like that's going to be that much better of an option anyway. And I, and I completely agree with you, by the way, whenever this trade happened, my brother texted me and he's like, Hey, uh, Luis Soraya's got traded for uh, Pablo Lopez. And I go, and he goes, and there's more to the deal. And I go, okay, what else is Miami getting? And he's like, no, Miami's sending more people. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm like, huh? That doesn't make sense. I, I can't imagine. That. Like I know the Yankees uh, had a deal fall through like at the eleventh hour with um, Miami at the deadline, and I, 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 Miami fans would probably get sick if they saw what that offer was. I, I don't know what it was, but I'm sure it was more than this. It was probably
0: even more than they gave up for Montas.
1: Yeah, I would think it would probably be not Velope, but probably Cabrera. I think Cabrera probably would have been in there. Peraza. Or, yeah, Peraza, not Cabrera. Peraza, or, Peraza's right. better. Not Cabrera. Yeah, Peraza. Peraza. Whoever their number two shortstop guy was.
0: Peraza. Yeah, um. I don't know. I mean, that's, uh, that's wild. So, um, oh, got some. Uh, I got some interesting off the record stuff just now from a source. I can't say it on here. I'll tell you when we get off, Ooh. or maybe I won't. Okay.
1: Um, I've never got to be that guy before.
0: <laughs> all right we did johnny asked another question and then we're gonna wrap this thing up he said what about jazz playing center field what do you think ryan
1: um there's a lot of value to him at second base uh so but if if that's how the puzzle works that's how the puzzle works i uh, in the the 13 year olds that i coach i preach versatility with them you know if you um it wasn't very fun for me when i got to high school and i could only play first base uh, guess I had to be the best hitter, and I wasn't. So I wasn't that uh, well. I uh, I I I was done picking up baseball bats, and I was just throwing them. So, uh, yeah, I think that's great, and uh, if that's how the piece of the puzzle works. i I think it's totally cool that he can play center field. Um, I think that's. You know. I heard. So I believe it was his idea that he wanted
0: to. That was someone uh, Nightingale. I think reported on that. That he he said. I'd like to move to center field. Or he said, I'd be happy to move to center field if the team needs us to. Mm-hmm. Um, he's athletic. He's speedy. I think it's always, I mean, there's gonna be a learning curve. It's probably gonna take him a little bit. Cause I do think that a lot of guys are either an infielder or an outfielder. It's totally different fly balls from where you're positioned in the infield, seeing them off the bat versus when you're seeing them in the outfield um, and I don't know when the I don't know when the last time he played center field was. He probably played it at some point growing up. Um, let's see his fielding. He is not Miami's
1: big park too.
0: It's a big park. Um, so I mean, I could see him over time becoming really good at the position because he's very athletic. Um, and I do think he's up for that kind of challenge, which I like. Um, he's going to probably turn himself into a center fielder, but there'll probably be a little bit of growing pains.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, But if, you know, if if someone can do it, I
0: think he can do it.
1: Yeah, I'm not that worried about it. And if it gets better bats into the lineup, then I think it's great for Miami.
0: Thank you for the questions, Johnny. Okay, so Ryan, is there anything else baseball related you want to touch on before we say goodbye for now? I'm good.
1: Thanks for having me
0: thanks for being here check him out on Twitter do you want the which which Twitter are you gonna promote I'm, now
1: I don't I don't know I've never promoted any of them so
0: well he's tweeting a lot about college basketball and we'll do we'll probably do some more college basketball stuff in the uh, in the coming months hopefully with March madness coming up um I took the last I took last week off kind of just needed a, a a week off but go back and check out some of our most recent podcast episodes. We've had some really good interviews on here. Um, we've had some other off season conversations. So like, if you want to hear our takes on some of the more hot button, uh, hot stove, free agent signings, and some of the trades that have happened, you can go back and check those out because it's still fresh and relevant because right now there isn't a lot going on. So if you're interested in that, go back and check it out. Jack Vita show. Um, Stephanie was on last week with Rachel Riley. We talked a little bit about their new show, the traders, and we should have another episode with Stephanie next week to go a little deeper on that. But we've also had some great episodes with, we spoke with two MLB pitchers, talked with one who is trying to get his back way and his, his uh, trying to get back into the show. (laughs) Right. Well, I guess that was really funny. He's trying to get back into the show. Find his way back. Ryan Dull, uh, who holds he holds an MLB record and has his jersey in Cooperstown. So you guys can check that out. Pitch for the A's and a couple other teams as well. And then uh, also spoke with JP France, who should hopefully make his MLB debut for the Houston Astros this season so if you guys enjoy the podcast make sure you subscribe and go back and check those out we'll have more content coming soon i'm sure we'll do more baseball stuff and we're only a few weeks out from spring training so make sure you guys are following along you can follow me on social media at jack vita show on twitter facebook and instagram and until our next episode i'm jack vita bringing the dancing lobsters